0: I'm Alex. I'm Amy. And this is Small Town Not Small Minds.
1: Alex, what's up?
0: Big news, Amy.
1: Huge news
0: for both of us.
1: I know. It's public now, so we can say it.
0: It's public.
1: It is public. You go first since you already together. We We are moving moving to different cities. Well, (laughs) Alex. Amy's
0: not moving with me.
1: Yeah. I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'll go and visit Alex. Yeah, tell them what you're doing.
0: So I'm taking a year leave from my school district, and I'm heading out to Victoria to teach and live the good life there.
1: By With the ocean. By the ocean,
0: kayaking.
1: Whales. I'm excited for you. I'm gonna have
0: a whaley good time.
1: You are, and also just the scenery. It's gonna be beautiful and amazing. Victoria. Mm-hmm. Victoria. I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's the scenery.
1: <laughs> that's also the scenery.
0: Okay. Hey, what about you, Amy?
1: I. Fully resigned from my job and my role. Um, It's official. And I'm moving to Calgary, closer to the mountains, be able to host some family and friends out there. And I'm really looking forward to it as well. So I'll be working and living out there. But the podcast will still continue. So not to worry, friends. Don't worry.
0: We have our AGM every July annual (laughs) general meeting. Yes. Coming um, up. (laughs) Literally, the amount of people that have said, like, what's going to happen to the podcast. Yes. Don't worry. We've got it. We'll We'll figure it out. I
1: think if anything, we're going to be bringing even more amazing stories to you from different provinces. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Be excited for us. Be scared for us. And (laughs) uh, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, exactly.
1: And that's What's What's Up.
0: Up. Welcome everyone today. We have Jen, a financial advisor on our show today to talk about money, money, money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we met Jen in an ice fishing shack yeah we went ice fishing and um we we caught a fish
1: i caught a fish okay (laughs)
0: it's like a little up in the air alex
1: alex let the fish go everyone
0: what i said was i didn't let it go I, I just didn't do anything to
1: keep it either. Yeah, you
2: didn't participate in the catching of the fish. No, no,
1: no. like I didn't help at all. You witnessed the catching and watched it flop back into the water. You were like, you were like, put your foot out, do something, and I I did I did nothing. My favorite line from Jen that day was Alex couldn't have done less.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, you know, you just see that fish out of water and like the the instincts just kick in and. <laughs> What was yeah. said in the fishing sack, Shack stays in the fishing sack. <laughs>
0: but as you can see, my instincts, like I, I was less hunter, more gatherer. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um. Well, we will start by asking our question. What's the most small town thing about you? So Jen, you want to start us off?
2: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I thought about this quite a bit because there's so many small town things about me, but I think the biggest thing is, is I just really, really enjoy a good old shop party or a garage party. Like the more in the country, the better. (laughs) That's awesome. Um,
1: I'm gonna steal off of our intro story of Jen, our financial advisor today. Um, I have had the honor of being invited two times to ice fishing and I feel like I never, I would have never gotten the invite had I not been out in this world in our small town area because both times they were from locals who, like had their own shacks who invited me out and it's been such a great time every time i've been out on the water so totally I'm thankful in the shack was the first time i've been like
0: bougie ice fishing like i've just been sitting in a hole around the ice most of my life
1: and i was like what mm-hmm. this one was very fancy the hole was the biggest ice hole i'd ever seen <laughs> yeah
2: that was a good joke and if we actually caught a fish they had all the tools there to like actually like cook it and eat it like wow. yeah next, next time maybe
1: yeah. yeah. Next <laughs> time, if Alex gets her hands on my face yeah. <laughs> so that she can track that thing. But I'll
0: no. do better. I'll do better. What about you, Alex? Um, small town. Things? Jen's inspired mine because she said she loves a shop party, but we used to have what we call car burners. Um, and I was saying that, like, everyone here would know that, but um, I had to explain. It's, you literally just go out in the bush and you burn a car.
1: I have so many questions. Like,
2: that must like, be a really small town because I'm. Car? Really-
1: yeah. Whose car is
0: being picked to be burned you go there's a draw if you get picked your car's
2: going yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah but i i don't know that i've seen a car burning other than in like grand theft auto like i'm just like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> i'll invite you to my next car burner deal. it seems like something like high schoolers would do out in the bush exactly that <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jen, we want to jump in and have our viewers and followers kind of understand, like, what is a financial advisor and what does a financial advisor do?
2: Yeah. And I i mean, um, you know, there's not a lot of education on, on finances in, in high school and, and junior high. So, I mean, when you get out into the real world, you kind of it's like sink or swim. You got to figure it out for yourself, it seems like. So what I do is I meet with people who, you know, want to get serious about saving for whatever. I mean, mostly it's retirement, but it could be, you know, for your first home or whatever. And I set them up with, you know, here's about how much you need to save to achieve your goal in, in this time frame, and then I, I give them recommendations on what to invest in because I think a lot of people, you know, they're they're good about setting money aside in a savings account or even in like an RSP, but then they forget the next step about actually picking an investment and making sure that that money's growing for you because it really doesn't do any good just sitting in an account, not getting any interest or growth on it. So that's, I mean, you take it to the next step. And make sure that money's actually growing and working for you. So,
0: and would you recommend, like, as someone who doesn't know a lot about like they're investing their money to get a financial advisor, or do you see like lots of people just being like, well, I saw this online, I'm just gonna do it?
2: You do want to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about because I mean, it's money that you've worked hard for, and you'd hate to see it lost on, you know, someone, someone heard of a hot stock you know, from a former roommate and it, you know, it turns out into turns out to be not a, not a great investment. So I think if you're first starting out, you should definitely, you know, go to your bank or, or even, you know, a family member or a friend that, that understands um, the financial side of things and just get an idea of, you know, the best way to start. But that being said, I mean, the internet is a crazy thing and there's so many websites and institutions out there that kind of have do it yourself investing, So, I mean, all you have to do is put in your personal information and just answer a few questions about, you know, what your goals are and how much risk you want to take. And they'll, they'll create an investment plan for you. Right. So there's, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't put a price on the human touch and, you know, having, having advice from someone that, you know, and that, that you trust, but um, there's a lot of, lot of ways to do it yourself in the internet. Like I said, there's so much information out there and so many programs set up where, you can you you can do it from the comfort of your home you don't have to you know go into a bank and make an appointment so
0: i remember like my brother telling me once because he like he's one of those like more self-taught online with investment and i'm like more like tell me exactly what to do because i have no idea what i'm doing but he said a lazy investor is going to be like further ahead than a more diligent saver Mm -hmm. Um, but when he told me that he's like six years younger than me he's like you're not investing like Oh, I'm like I'm really good at saving and he's like that he's like this is not this is not what yeah.
2: you need with your life so it's it's when- a good start but like you have to take it to the next step right and right. he's right good investing's really boring you shouldn't be on the computer every day and like day trading and stuff like that you buy something and you just hold it right so I mean there's gonna be some some changes that you have to make occasionally but like yeah good investing's really really boring when you hear. Right. When you hear someone talk about oh this hot stock and it's going to triple in value like just just go right. their way Ignore that. Right. meanwhile i
1: can't think of anything sexier fiscal responsibility <laughs> like Crap. yes
0: are you hitting on my brother
1: <laughs> i
2: was talking know. to one friend i was talking to one friend and she's like oh okay so the investment ideas that get my heart racing probably aren't like the good ones and i was like yeah no probably not like it's really boring stuff so I do have to say,
1: though, like you're like you were right. If you go to any kind of institution, they're really designed already to kind of they they make you take an assessment to kind of see, like, what's your risk value at, like where you want to and like what's your time frame, too, because time is a huge factor in a lot of these investments that you probably enlist people in and to help them seek their goals of what their financial needs are.
0: So for me, I know a lot less than Amy. I just I'm pretty much your average Joe that's like we didn't learn a lot in school and I don't know anything about investing so as you say like you want to get your money working for you Mm -hmm. like what what does that mean and also how how does that happen how do I make that happen
2: so, yeah, like with you when you're talking about like that type of knowledge where you really you don't know like the difference between a stock or a bond or a mutual fund, like I'm just listing off like different types of investments. Yeah. I think it's really important that you do sit down with an actual financial professional. Just yeah. so that you understand. That's you what know. I'm doing right now, Jen. I'm saying yeah. right that. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, the no, invitation is open, totally. <laughs> um, because, I mean, you really, when, when it comes to picking investments and getting your money working for you, as I say, is I think you really want to understand what you own and, you know, being able to touch it and feel it. And um, when I, what I mean by that is, I mean, if you, you know, buy iPhones religiously and you use Mac computers religiously, then why wouldn't you maybe own Apple stock? own stock in, in the company Apple right um, you know same thing for if you go to Costco all the time like I go to cost I love Costco it's like my guilty mm-hmm. pleasure now I can't go in there without spending $500
1: so why wouldn't
2: I own Costco shares right it's a company that I know I understand I use so when i when i talk to people who are just starting out with investing and they have no idea what to invest in or how i always you know think of, think about the companies that you use think about the companies that you think are are well run and you know they can be environmentally conscious companies they can be you know anything and chances are you can invest in them right they're publicly traded and you can invest in them right um, but if you i mean if you really are starting from ground zero you don't know what a stock is you don't know what a bond is i think it's important to get into some type of bank or um, a meeting with some type of financial advisor just to learn the differences because there's different risks associated with different investments but i mean at the end of the day you want to pick an investment that you think is going to go up in value so you probably don't want to put all your eggs in you know something like bitcoin right now because no one really knows you know too much about where that where that type of um, investment if you will is going to go so you want to You want to pick, you know, more solid companies, more, more established companies that have been around for a long time. So like Blockbuster. Yeah. (laughs) Blockbuster, (laughs) HMV, all that. Got it. I think I'm getting the hang of this. (laughs) But I mean, when you're starting out and let's say, you know, you have 500 bucks to invest, it's not a good idea to just buy one company with 500 bucks. So that's where, you know, something like a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund could be useful. So basically, a mutual fund is it would pool all three of our savings together, and then it would Mm -hmm. buy stocks and bonds for us. So I mean, if all three of us, you know, had $10,000 to invest, instead of us investing it individually, we would we would invest in this mutual fund, they would take all of our money and go out and and make investments in stocks and bonds for us.
1: Okay. Okay. And there's yeah. big ones through larger institutions where they have like multiple buy-ins and mm-hmm. then you're kind of like one conglomerate together. And like, those are good for small places to start too. To start. Okay. Yeah.
2: Because every bank has a Canadian stock mutual fund. So basically they're just pooling all of their clients' money together and they're going out and buying Canadian stocks. Mm-hmm. There's different ones, global stocks, U.S. stocks, Canadian stocks. So that's where, I mean... The options are endless. And that's why I think it is important to to talk to someone who actually knows what they're doing, because you want to make sure that, you know, like I said, it's the money that you worked hard for. You want to make sure mm-hmm. that it's, it's prudently invested and it's not just, you know, forgotten about too. So.
0: And like, like when I go to someone, what I know is like what I'm comfortable with, like with how much money I want um, to invest. I know like my risk level, but then I don't know the rest, how much, is it important for me to like understand all of those words or for me to just explain here's my comfortability, here's what I want with my goals? And can I say, can you do it for me? Basically. Yeah, is that-
2: that's, that's perfect. Cause I mean, like when you hire a plumber to fix something, like you you just know where the problem is, right? And you know, right. the sink over here. When you hire an accountant, you just give them the tax slips, right? So it's the right. same thing with a financial advisor. We were, you know, really just need to know what do you need this money to do for you and by when. And then we come up with the investment recommendations. And then, you know, it goes into a deeper conversation of, yeah, this is an investment. So it can go up in value, but it can go down in value and talk about, you know, historically how it's, how it's performed in tough market cycles, how far it's dropped, how far it's advanced, and just make sure that you're comfortable with those types of swings. Right. Mm -hmm. You're kind of the middleman
1: between like what you know is out there and the knowledge Mm -hmm. and just your common. Or the middle person. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
2: <laughs> the investing side of it can be really overwhelming and mm-hmm. investment returns aren't what make people wealthy. It's consistently saving and building up the amount of money that they have to invest because I mean, you're not going to be able to get 20, 30% return on your investment every year. You know, mm-hmm. if you can average six or 7% per year over, you know, a longer time, time frame, 10, 15, 20 years, um you know that's that's all you really want to do with the investments is just get you know six or seven percent per year that's all you all you need the what makes people wealthy is the commitment to saving in month in month out right so right being really really good at saving for you know six months isn't isn't going to make a big difference it has to be consistent right so
0: say i'm like just done university i'm getting like starting my first like paychecks well I guess it doesn't need to be university I'm done high school I'm getting my first like adult paychecks what kind of percentage should I be saving for my retirement saving
2: for emergency funds yeah that's I mean that's um for retirement that's a really hard question to answer because I mean I have clients who need two thousand dollars a month in retirement to live and i have clients that need ten thousand dollars a month in retirement to live so it's all dependent on what you're going to spend i think when you're fresh out of university or high school and you've got like your first adult job i think at a minimum you want to be saving 10 percent per paycheck but that's i mean that's just a minimum to get you started um Mm -hmm. once you have you know student loans and and other debts paid off then you should really ramp it up to closer to 20 percent but again there's retirement calculators all over the internet and it'll ask you okay how old are you now how much money do you have saved how much can you save per month and it'll tell you and it it'll ask you you know how much do you want to spend in retirement and it'll tell you exactly you know how much per month you need to be saving so i mean use those tools to your advantage too i think it's hard because
0: it's a lot it's like none of it is like instant gratification it's like building for your future and that's not always like well, like you say, we don't really learn that in school, mm-hmm. right? It's not until real life hits you.
2: It's kind of like uh <laughs> nutrition and like dieting, like one healthy meal isn't going to make you a healthy person. Just like one unhealthy meal isn't going to make you an unhealthy person. It's it's the consistency, right? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. I was actually making that connection in my head already oh, yeah. and I we just interviewed a dietitian last week in oh, really? our last episode, so yeah. I was like It's so interesting how much this correlates with (laughs) what the nutritionist has to say is like being consistent, making smart, healthy choices, every opportunity, and it's okay to sidetrack, but then coming back down to your baseline, basically of like being like, okay, this is where I want to stay. So I feel like a lot of younger people who've worked for like a decade or so that I know of have been like working really hard to be like, I want to be able to fully retire at 40 Mm-hmm. And so like, I think it kind of starts with what you're saying, like setting up a plan, kind of putting it into effect in order for that to like actually occur for them. Um, but what are some steps that we can take to become like financially independent?
2: I think, you know, if you can set set your saving strategy up so that you don't have to think about it and it doesn't, it's not a decision that you have to make every month. Should I save this or should I keep it in my checking account because I need to, you know, might need to buy a new dress or new shoes or whatever. Something always comes up, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think if you can set up your saving strategy so that you don't have to think about it, that's, you know, that's step one. So, all of I am on, mean, I try and save 20% of my income and it comes off of my paycheck before it hits my checking account. And if right. you can't set it up that way, you should have it set up so that on payday, you also have an automatic transfer to an RSP or a tax-free savings account or some type of investment account so that it just happens and you don't have to make a decision every month. Okay, should I save this 200 bucks or should I put it in my tax-free savings account?
0: My uncle always says the first person you pay is yourself.
2: I was just gonna say, it's called paying yourself because if mm-hmm. you try to save what's left after you spend, it's it's never gonna work because there's always something. Something's yeah. gonna come that, you know, oh, I need that 200 bucks for this. But if you save first, and then spend what's re- what's left. To me, that's the most efficient, easiest way to budget. I was thinking
1: about, like, it's so interesting when you're dating and how this financial conversation kind of comes into play. Um, one of my biggest fears as a single woman is meeting my partner and my partner being a money moron and me having to educate my partner um, because I'm pretty responsible when it comes to my money so i guess my next question is i kind of want to hear your take on like what do you suggest when you're in a serious relationship how to save money together
0: yeah like lots of times you're like living in the same house you're maybe not married but like you have bills do you have a mortgage
1: mm-hmm yeah
2: so I mean, yeah, if you're and if you're in a serious relationship and you're trying to save together, I mean, that one's kind of tricky. I mean, I'd recommend kind of saving saving on your own just in case you're, you know, you, you go separate ways, then then what's yours is yours and what's theirs is theirs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with bills and stuff, if if you, you know, are in a relationship and your partner makes say 20% of of the income and you make 80% of it, To me, it makes sense that the person making more money would probably take on the brunt of most of the bills. It doesn't, 50-50, you know, equal isn't always fair kind of thing. It's a really, really personal decision. I think if if you're going to, you know, be in a serious relationship with someone, you should talk, you know, have a really open, frank conversation about, you know, how do you deal with, big one-off purchases. Like some people feel the need to research it and, you know, take a lot of time to, to make that decision. And other people just jump in blindly with, with both feet. So I think it's important Mm -hmm. to discuss how you, how you approach big, big purchases like that. And then there's things, I mean, we call them prenuptial agreements, prenups, um, Mm -hmm. or marriage contracts. There's things. Kanye has educated me on this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they kind of have a, they kind of have a, I guess, a negative connotation. You know, prenup, and mm-hmm. you think, you know, if my, if my spouse wants me to sign a prenup, they don't trust me, and they don't think that it's going to last. But I think in this day and age, when you know you are in your mid thirties or forties or even later, when you're getting into serious relationships, that um, I, I really do think that you know, marriage contracts or prenups should be should be considered, right?
0: I agree. I think like. It did get a bad rap, but like the way relationships are formed now are very different. Like Mm -hmm. people are independent for 10,
1: 15 years and then getting together. Yeah. I think our generation has really reshaped and redefined what a prenup is because you said like people are getting married later. And in that time, if you were smart with your money financially, it's like, of course, you want to protect yourself and your assets. You kind of like have the right to do that. These were all developed. want to protect your assets and your asses. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean in a perfect world like my mom and dad are BFFs my mom makes war- way more money than my dad but everything is like what's hers is his and what's his is hers and everything's like there's one joint account yeah. and like in a perfect world like that's that's the way to do it right you have your partner in life you trust mm-hmm. them you know you share everything but it's uh, very, very rare these days just to, to see that. So I have more and more clients coming in and they do. They keep things completely separate and they've been married for you know, 20, 30 years, but they didn't get together till they were in their 50s or 60s. And it's, um, you know, second marriages or later in life marriages. And uh, yeah, I just it's more and more common to see see couples keep stuff completely separate to the point where I'm actually doing financial planning for a couple. But i'm doing a financial plan for her and a financial plan for him like we're doing separate oh, yeah. financial planning right even though they've yeah. been married for 30 years and they have no yeah. intention of ever divorcing it's just how they they keep everything separate so
1: interesting
2: um, i'm gonna say it is a big learning curve and sometimes you just have to learn a lesson the hard way I think we're all guilty of, you know, buying something, you know, whether it was a car or something that, you know, when you look back on, you're like, why did I do that? That was such a waste of money. Like I spent all that time saving that money and I Mm -hmm. turned around and just sunk it into a car that I don't even own anymore. Like, I think we've all, you know, made some type of decision like that. And sometimes you just have to learn that lesson the hard way. And then it just makes you more committed to just staying you know, diligent and, and, uh, making sure that that money is going to be there for you when you want to retire. Cause I mean, I don't mind work, but I definitely don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I was just thinking back to my twenties. Like I remember I was so good at budgeting because I only had so much money in the bank for like school and book and living. And that like, there'd be some nights where I was like, do I go out with my friends and party or do I eat dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. and I, like sometimes i would choose the later but <laughs> but um live and learn right Like yeah. we're
2: yeah. here we're
1: standing up
2: today <laughs> it made us who we are you know <laughs> exactly absolutely you don't have to be an expert at everything in life right that's why there's a job known as financial advisors that's yes, why we- exactly why we have- you know, plumbers and things like that, you don't have to be an expert at everything. You just really, all I need is just a commitment to saving. If you have a commitment to saving, then I have no problem helping out any of my friends, any of my family, um, any, any of my clients. Right. So as long as you have the desire to, you know, grow your net worth and and committed to saving then that's all you need to know. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's like a beauty wrap up even. Yeah. I was just (laughs) going to say, I was
1: like, I guess we don't have to ask you the last thing, which is like, What's one thing you want our
2: viewers to know today from
1: this episode? Commitment to saving and consistency. I (laughs) I can summarize it for you. (laughs) And
2: that's what makes people wealthy is just a committed, consistent saving strategy. It's not, you're not going to get an investment opportunity where you can turn 10 grand into 50. Like you're just Mm -hmm. not going to have that consistently throughout your life. So what makes people wealthy? Like I said, it's really boring investing and it's just a commitment to, okay, this money is going to, to its savings. Right. So. It's, yeah. it's as simple as that.
1: Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today on our podcast. Hopefully, we're making our viewers and followers richer by making a consistent commitment to
2: investing their money. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, we can uh, meet up in a fish shack again sometime soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll do better. Yeah, do better. i committed <laughs> to doing better. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks
1: Jen. <laughs> All
2: right. oh. See you guys.
1: It was so great to have Jen on. Um, I think she, having only met her through the Ice Shack experience, mm-hmm. she spoke really well. Alex, you mentioned that. And you can tell that she's been in this work for a while, which is really good. Is I, that an old joke? <laughs> I, <laughs> no. Well, she's been in it as long as we. I've been teaching.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, what I really liked is, yes, she was very, like, confident and competent. Before the show, she had said, like, if I, like, say anything like that, you need to have explained but she made it like really easy to understand to anyone that's not in finances
1: yeah very relatable
0: yeah yeah no I really liked that but we
1: definitely didn't get into all of it too like oh, she Lord. even mentioned she could talk all night about it and it is true with like this endless wealth of information and that also changes all the time because of you know raids. it's just there's so many things to get into in terms of mm-hmm like she mentioned, kind of assessing what do you need right now? What's your goal in terms of money to help kind of make a plan to follow through with? Um, But I would say the one thing that stood out to me the most was her talk about consistency. So it kind of made me think back to when we had our nutritionist, Carly, and was the same thing, just talking about the consistency in terms of you don't have to be perfect, but if you have a plan, then you will have those tools in place already to make smart choices along the way. So even if you need to, you know, derail a bit, like mm-hmm. buy a new fridge, it's your possible You can do that because mm-hmm. you're in a situation where you've allowed yourself and set yourself up so well to manage that.
0: Yeah, I like. I like that analogy too, where like you don't have to be perfect at it. I feel a little bit incompetent when I come like talk about investing like I say like I'm really comfortable with how I like budget and save my money but I'm not comfortable with like investing that much and I don't understand all those terms but then how she said like okay you need a plumber to come it's not like you're like oh it's this da 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 I don't tell the plumber everything he fixes it or they fix it
1: mm-hmm. and
0: same with like a financial advisor I don't need to come to them and be like I know everything no. No, I need to go to them and say, I know nothing and you can help me, right? Yeah. Or not I know nothing. I do personally. But um
1: I think that's the thing that I find with finance, like the just even the small like bit of information that I get. I'm like, oh, I'm so interested. So then I just like want to learn See, more. I'm not interested at oh, all. So you want to just like oh, pass it off to someone. 100%. Like,
0: for my birthday, <laughs> I asked my brother. I was like, can you just can you
1: do this for my me? money? Yeah. Can you be Alex McDonald and do this <laughs> for me? Like the one thing that stood out to me was even in terms of dating when she was talking, like, I don't expect a partner to know all this information. Mm-hmm. And also when you approach relationships in terms of finance, if you're stronger at this or you make more money, I was like, oh, I just feel like I needed to hear that. Right. So I think like having a big financial conversation is really important when you I think are coaching. So
0: I think like I think having a financial conversation in terms of relationships is important, not just even a conversation, like because it's a lot of how you spend your life. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is I don't need a partner to help me with investing, to help me with my finances, because there's people that have jobs that do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a scary thing though, just to even think about like what that looks like when you merge finances together, because we, I'm in my thirties, you're approaching your thirties. It's like we've built up those assets already. And so I think that's the thing. Like I have a like, yeah,
0: I thought about this when I was telling my parents, like I have a lot of equity, Um, but this wasn't the case before, right? Like you would live with your parents and then you would live with your spouse. Like you'd go straight from there to there and half the time, like women weren't working. So you don't have to think about these things. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So if anything, book in with a financial advisor, your bank already supplies one. If you have a large institution, you can just phone them up. It's a free service. That's already a part of your banking institution. So why not? Right. Mm -hmm. Like Jen said, it was only your time and to, to sit down and kind of evaluate that. And I know when I booked in with my financial advisor, one thing that he got me started on was talking about the Canadian Investors, which is a podcast. Um, I find it really interesting. These two men on the podcast manage their own portfolios on top of other portfolios. They kind of tackle a couple different conversations about investing what that looks like they're pretty good and similar to what jem was saying but just a lot more enriched and then i also like following this girl on social media called your rich bff okay and her name's vivian she's like a former wall street investor yeah and she gives a lot of great practical advice as well So those are two people that I think like, it's just like right in front of me that are easy to access as well.
0: Cool. Like feel like my recommendation is a little bit different. So it's called bad with money. It's a podcast and it's Gabby road. I recommend their books. I recommend their podcast, like literally love them, but (laughs) it's very, I would say like attainable for people in the sense that like she is bad with money and very frank about that and goes over like her credit card. She's in the red or this or that. And like, I don't know quite how to explain it. Like it, It's just very, like, real-life scenario. She's very open with her money, um, her situation financially. And I would say it's, like, if you're looking not, like, oh, I'm ready to, like, know about investing because I don't, like, I don't want to necessarily, like, know about stockbroker and all this. Like, this was just more, like, layman's terms joe blow off the street kind of podcast and it's really interesting
1: so wait so she
0: loses all her money you're saying or no she's, she's really just bad. bad with her money uh. um and she wrote a book too it's just very it's very like just me and you talking kind of thing off the street and she doesn't know much and then she has like guests come on to help
1: does she get out of the bread
0: Ah, uh, you know what i have not listened recently <laughs> i assume now but she's also like an entertainer and writer okay and trying to make it She doesn't have, like, a consistent income, and she lives, like, a really bougie life. So she, like, just, like, constantly just uses credit cards
1: and things like that. Sounds really entertaining, actually.
0: It it (laughs) is. It's a little stressful, but it's also, like, she's just very frank about her situation.
1: Anything else?
0: No. Just call your financial advisor today. (laughs) (laughs) Jar of questions. What social stigma does society need to get over?
1: Actually, this one comes from today's episode because Jen kind of talked about it with us in the interview was just like, it's okay if one partner is better with money than the other partner and you can use that strength to enhance your relationship. But in my mind, I always thought that was like the man's responsibility, but yet I'm so strong at that. So I realized that I'm still working at this is eliminating gender roles and gender norms that we're kind of ingrained to believe are true. And I still like face this all the time when I look at my parents' relationships or other relationships is that some people live by these norms or stigmas of like, that's a man's job. That's a woman's job. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. let's just scrap that. Like, what are you better at? Let's work together. Terrible
0: at taking out the garbage so <laughs> <laughs> that was my
1: job when i lived at your house alex <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: you know i just like to pass off the jobs i don't want to do
1: exactly but also like own your strengths as a as a couple together or a relationship I together it. Rather it than... makes
0: me like think a lot of like honestly like wedding norms like i saw tiktok the other day it was a same-sex couple um and they bought this like wedding planning book and all of it had, like, Mrs. Mr., you know? And they're like, well, like, why are there not wedding planning books with Mrs. Mrs. or Mr. Mr., right? And they had to, like, white out a bunch of stuff.
1: Also, just wedding stigmas. Like, eliminate those. I'm helping someone plan their wedding right now, and it's yeah. like, I'm always like, there are absolutely no rules. And yes. I ha- I think people need to hear that. Like, it's your wedding, it's your party. Do what you want.
0: Exactly, yeah. There's
1: no, like, tradition. Both of us, having never been married, are like, let's. Let's change the wedding rules! I also think we'll both have very, like, open-minded, not so...
0: Yes. Let's, like, flip it on its head. It does not need to be the... Like, they're expensive. Yeah. First of all, they don't need to be the way that they are. Yeah. Yeah. Watch, me have, like, a mega traditional wedding. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) I was like, yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) I would would be more shocked, but... So would I. (laughs)
0: Um, What I thought of for this was... um, Honestly, the assumption that, like, women should have babies or, like, those questions that happen all the time, too. You're newly wed and you're like, when are you going to have a baby? Is there another one on the way? These kind of questions, like, I mean, you don't know what that woman is going through. Maybe she can't have babies. Maybe she doesn't want to have babies. Like, why is that always an assumption? And it feels like such, like, a normal thing people say. And I, I just don't, I don't like that assumption and pressure and so. all of that, all of the, like, language around it. As if we're supposed to just, like, be, like, asking women all the time, like, when are you going to have babies? That's yeah. personal.
1: Yeah. And maybe you don't want to, right?
0: Yeah. And maybe I don't want to have that conversation in the middle of the grocery store. Yeah. Because it's just such, like, a common thing people bring up all the time. And you don't, you don't know what
1: exactly. my story is. Yeah.
0: With my uterus.
1: So I guess we turn it to you. What is a social stigma
0: that society needs to get over? Right. Good job we said that together.
1: (laughs) Together. Teamwork.